On today's episode of Double Down Trent, Alabama goes down to Auburn, and we have, for the first time ever, a college football playoff without Alabama. So the model and myself take a look at the futures bet that we put down on the Utah Utes to win the Pac-12. We also discuss on whether or not we should hedge our bet and place a small little wager down on Utah. We're going to break that all down. Then it's conference championship week. We are looking ahead. I also have a number of scenarios that I lay out for the model about if this team wins, if that team wins, who sneaks in. I think we're pretty locked in that Clemson is in. LSU, do they need to win? Are they a lock? Who knows? Ohio State, are they a lock? I think so, but they got a tough matchup against Wisconsin, and we play the game, does Baylor have a chance? Then we shift our attention to the NFL. We welcome our insider, Coulter, as he gives us a hot take on why he thinks the AFC is actually the better conference than the NFC, and we make our picks for week 14 here on Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. Much like a year ago, but that was in an easy, breezy win for Alabama. This is at Jordan-Hare with a crowd going wild. Bullibus for the tie. Kick is on the way, and it hit the left, the upright. It's no good. He hit the left upright. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. And once again, I am joined by my co-host, Aaron, a.k.a. the model. Air, the regular season for college football is over. It's over. How do you think it went from a gambling (laughs) perspective on our podcast? You know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was a little bit of everything for me. I had a lot of fun. I learned a ton. And I will admit, I'm just eking out just a little bit of profit there. So it's all good. Okay. And we'll get to this too. Um, You had a good close to the competition. Uh, The man versus model competition is now officially over. We're not picking the conference championship games, but we are going to discuss it. Uh, I went into free fall mode as we had discussed on previous episodes I also had to get a little creative here at the end. I came one pick away from just 50%, and I did it on purpose. And we should leave it in suspense to, you know, build it up, and we'll go through exactly where you landed and the surprise twist that happened of the come-from-behind victory of no one expected this to happen. That's right. We got an M. Night Shyamalan (laughs) Sixth Sense-type twist at the end. Here, so stay tuned, folks. <laughs> All right. You want to start gonna, with our U- Utah hedge? Yeah. So let's get to that one. So uh, for anyone listening who is not aware, 
uh, prior to the season started, you and I had discussed some potential teams as a look ahead, as a futures bet to potentially win their conference. One of the big ones that we had that you were very wisely on top of early was to pick Utah to win the Pac-12 championship. Now, we came in at pretty good odds. We got this at plus 800. Yep. So let the listeners know, first, kind of what made you think that that was going to be a smart play, and let's get into the situations that we've got here as we are recording on the Thursday night, the night before this championship game. So talk yep. us through it, pal. Yeah, so this was something that I've been doing a little research over the turn from last year to this year. So, you know, seven months ago from now, uh, we're recording in November. I knew Utah was having a ton of players come back uh, to play their senior season, and they had a, experienced a bunch of injuries toward the end of last year that ended in them not playing as well as what I would have anticipated. So the, if I remember correctly, they ended up losing a close game to Washington in the Pac-12 championship last year. And in that game, you know, they had Shelley, this backup quarterback who was playing, who wasn't actually all that bad for them. And they had Moss, who was a really good running back who was out. So just kind of having some of those tidbits in the back of my mind, knowing that they had a bunch of seniors who are actually pretty good coming back for this year. They weren't losing that much. And Kyle Whittingham is a guy who really focuses on keeping his guys for all four years or five, if he can redshirt them and really developing them and keeping them around. And unlike in Alabama, they don't lose a ton of uh, young guys year over year and constantly backfilling. These are, this is a program that really grows their guys and keeps them there. Okay. So that's how you got to Utah. It was a good yes. work by you. Yes. So when the, before the season, I can't even remember when we did this, maybe in July or August, before yeah. the season even started, you and I had put a little position down and we had gotten Utah to win the Pac-12 conference at plus 800, which that's right around 11% chance to win. And to me, that seemed crazy. To me, it seemed that they were, had a way better shot than that. Um, I think if I remember correctly, Oregon and Washington were the two favorites at the time. They were both kind of probably around plus 250 or plus 200, something like that, kind of altering with the market. So now I have been texting you this week to kind of give you a couple options. And I want to present you with the options. I want to walk you through it and kind of see what your uh, gut is telling you right now. You ready for this? Ooh, baby. Let's do it. Because this is what we we kind of mentioned that if you – Get a really good futures bet that you can then be in a position to then hedge your bet. And for listeners who don't know, hedging your bet is essentially um, placing a small bet on the opposite end of your original bet. So that way you either break even or have a profit on either side. And I'm going to present you with a couple options. And, you know, we're kind of we're going to focus on the extremes uh, and we won't talk through all of them. Now, you uh, had sent me over a nice detailed spreadsheet that my <laughs> puny pea brain couldn't calculate. I kept staring at this thing all day saying, like, wait, they're, these numbers are the exact same. What the, what the fuck am I missing? Sure enough, I'm not an Excel guy. I'm not a Google Sheets guy. I missed a decimal point, and I was just slightly off. But now I comprehend. So let's go through these scenarios. Yep, and I'm going to present you with three options, okay? So okay. option number one is basically, I'm going to summarize it as take no action. So that means that we have basically put down one unit already earlier this year on Utah to win the Pac-12 conference. And if they win, we get eight units back because it's plus 800 odds. So like that's our option number one, take no action, make no hedge. Hedging is for gardeners. We're not going to do anything. All right. Just let it ride, baby. <laughs> that's right. Which could be it. Okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong that. All right. Option number two, and the way I summarize this option 
is that if I wanted a free, quote unquote, free bet on Oregon to win the Pac-12 conference, this is what I would do. So I know that if Utah wins, I'm going to win eight units. Yep. Right? So what this would mean is that this would mean that I I would put, you know, let's call it seven or eight units down on the opposite thing to happen, Oregon. And what this would basically mean is that this would give me, I don't even know. So they're plus 200. So this would give me, you know, kind of a multiplier of, um, I'm trying to do my unit calculations here. I'm not going to, maybe 16 units. Okay. Um, so because I would be, I'd basically be placing eight units on Oregon to win the Pac-12. So they would need to have an upset in the game, and I would get to win 16 units. But if Utah wins, who's the favorite for that game, we would win nothing. Yeah, we break even. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Zero one zero lost. No. Correct. If yeah. if Utah wins, if Utah, Utah wins, wins, we're basically right. just straight up neutral. But we had gotten a free bet with a huge upside. It's like a free spin on prices right after you've already gotten a dollar. You get one free spin. Nailed it. Got yes. it. <laughs> Nailed it. Option two is that we're going to keep with the Utah. We're going to be rooting for Utah, but we're going to hedge just slightly so that if Oregon wins, we come out even. Okay. And this, this one is, you know, I would, I would be placing less than a unit bet, maybe half a unit bet, given that we have plus 200 odds to win a single unit on Oregon to win, which would mean if Utah wins, we would win seven units instead of eight. And if Oregon wins, we'd win one unit covering our initial bet. And it would be, again, just a free bet essentially on Utah to win the Pac-12 with no risk. And you're all square. Exactly. So one of the things I texted you earlier in the week is that I think a lot of people are not taking Oregon seriously in this game. And I had, it had crossed my mind of going option number two of really leveraging this futures bet and placing eight units down on Oregon to win 16, uh, which would be a huge upside, but it have to be an underdog coming through in this game, but you have to remember Oregon was a, one of the favorites this year to win the pac 12. So this yeah. is kind of like all the options that we have right now. And let's walk it through real quick. And the reason that Oregon is the underdog here, they just got blown out by Arizona state, our guy Herm. So right now what I'm seeing, and this is subject to change. Uh, I see Oregon as a six and a half point underdog in this game. So that's a, a pretty hefty spread when it comes to a conference championship game. Now, the reason that we love doing this man versus model challenge is that I've always been more of the reckless one. You've always been more of the conservative <laughs> smart guy. So that's right. I'm kind of leaning towards the aggressive play here and putting a free bet on Oregon where there's a higher potential risk, but also a higher potential reward. Right? So I think Utah wins this game. So to me, the smart play is let's put a small free bet on Utah but I like the idea of having a potential big winnings if Oregon were to come through here. So I'm kind of torn on this one. Yeah. And I've run, um, 
my model is basically done for the year because when it comes to conference championships and bowls, it's kind of just a shit show. Um, but I have run my n- numbers for these guys playing each other when they're both home. Um, so to me, when Oregon is home against Utah, they are just a very, very slight favorite coming into that game. And when Utah is home against Oregon, they are an even bigger favorite at home. So to me, that my model agrees with the kind of the line that's set of Oregon minus six and a half right now. It's I would probably I would probably put it at uh, Utah minus five. So okay. I too am expecting Utah to win this game. So if we are going to go along and kind of follow along with what the model was saying, to me this would be either option number one, we take no action and we just let our early futures bet ride, or option three, we make a super small half unit bet on Oregon to win to just make sure we have zero risk and yeah. we're uh, breaking out even if Oregon wins or winning seven units if Utah wins. Yeah, I think those are the two options here. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm inclined to let this ride. I know hedging okay. puts us in a safe place, but safe things never got anybody any excitement in the gambling world. <laughs> I feel better if we are just ride or die on Utah as opposed to being like, hey, you know what? Either way, we break even. I don't want to be even Steven on this. I want to be either fucking thrilled that we won this bet from August or just absolutely fucking miserable that Oregon <laughs> – and those quack fucks came back to knock us off. <laughs> All right, done and done. Then we will just see how it goes. Letting it ride, baby. I think at one point we had kicked that around as a potential segment. So I love that we're back on the let it ride train. <laughs> let it ride. Let's do it. All right. So there was a little lesson hedging. We talked it out on air live. We had, did not really get a chance to go through that. So I hope we, people were able to follow along with us. Now, Mr. Model, I'd like to run you through a little exercise of my own. And Uh this is going to be just some scenarios of what could happen this weekend with the conference championship games and what that means for the college playoff. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Okay. Quickly. I'm just going to run everyone through the right now standings as of our recording Thursday at 6 30 PM right now. It's Ohio state LSU Clemson, Georgia as the one, two, three, four, if it ended tonight, with Utah, followed by Oklahoma, Baylor, and Wisconsin. I think those are the only eight teams that potentially have a shot here, right? I think that's even being generous, yes. Yes, I agreed too. So we've got the SEC championship game on Saturday, LSU versus Georgia. Georgia's a six-and-a-half-point dog. The Big Ten championship, which is Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a 16-and-a-half-point dog, which is nuts. Huge. We got the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma versus Baylor plus nine, a game that we're both really interested in as well. And as discussed tomorrow, Friday is Utah versus Oregon, which we just broke down. So here's the first scenario for you. Okay. Ohio State wins. Yep. LSU wins. Yep. Clemson wins. Utah wins and Oklahoma wins. Basically, the favorites win out. What is your top four? Obviously, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, RN. Okay. I'm going to give you two data points here, and I'll cite them both. So the first one, uh, a great follow on Twitter is Rufus Peabody. He is a pretty well-known sports gambler, runs the Massey Peabody uh, model, uh, and does some really interesting stuff. So this is the most likely outcome that's going to happen and it's likelihood to happen is about 33% of the time based on him. Okay. Okay. So 33% of the time, all these favorites will win. If all these favorites win, 
then Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson are all in. Not shocking to anyone. Yep. Right? Georgia would have lost to LSU. So then it's a matter of coming down to Utah and Oklahoma. And he puts it as Oklahoma, 60% chance to get in. Utah, 39% chance to get in. So he likes that Big 12 champ much better than Pac-12. Which is just so bizarre to me because what you're saying as the committee is that you have Utah at number five right now at present. They go out and take care of business and win their championship game. Why aren't they sliding up to four? Why have them at five and not Oklahoma at five then? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this. And the one thing I've seen is the strength of schedule or uh, Oklahoma's strength of schedule and who they've played has been much tougher than what Utah has played, especially in non-conference games. So that's going to be a huge thing for that community to look at. I'll just note 538 is nearly identical with what Massey Peabody is saying. They have, if everyone wins, like your scenario just dictated, they have Oklahoma at 59% chance to make the playoffs and Utah 41% chance to make the playoffs. So nearly identical. That's crazy. Now, let me throw you a quick curveball. Okay. Let's say all of this happens, but instead of Oklahoma, it's a Baylor win. Does that change Ooh. anything? Does that change anything? Yes. Yeah. So if that's the case, obviously the top three stay the same. Yep. Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU are all in. Yep. But this to me then is Utah becomes the favorite to become that fourth team. 538 has them as a 72% chance of getting in as the fourth team and Baylor as 26% chance getting in the fourth team. Wow. Whereas, whereas this is interesting. So in Massey, the Massey Peabody stuff is very different. So Ohio state, LSU and Clemson all win. Those are obviously in. Yep. They have Baylor as 88 percent chance. Oh, this is with a this is with an Oregon loss too. Yep. So that's an, that's our next scenario. So this would be this would be and this is a curveball. That's why I threw it to you. <laughs> Sorry. So this is a Utah win, but not Oklahoma. Instead, it's Baylor coming through. So I know that's that, that's not one we planned for, but it's just one that I think would be interesting because uh, that means Baylor is a one-loss conference champion who's then come back and knocked off Oklahoma, who we just said is the prohibitive favorite, assuming that that plays out. Yeah. And again, very similar to what, uh, 538 had. So they would have Utah as a slight less favorite. They have 57% chance. Utah becomes that fourth team okay. and Baylor at 40, 40% chance. Okay. That makes sense. Now here's scenario number two. We've got an Ohio state win an LSU win a Clemson win, except this time Utah loses and Baylor wins. So that would give us Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson just like before. And who is going to be the four in that spot? That's pretty straightforward, I'm assuming, right? That's straightforward. That's Baylor all the way. Baylor jumps in. Okay. Here's the next one. Scenario three. LSU wins. Clemson wins. Wisconsin wins. Utah loses. And Baylor wins. That's kooky town. That's chaos. That's yeah. chaos. That gets you LSU and Clemson in. And then who else is getting in there? Baylor's got to get in, right? Baylor. So, yeah. So I'm first looking at 538 for this. They have Baylor as a 90% chance to make the playoff. Yep. And then they have Ohio State as 46% chance to make the playoff, which feels low to me. And they have Wisconsin as a 51% chance, 
Wow. Slightly ahead of them. So that feels off to me. I still think no matter what, even if Ohio state loses that uh, big 10 championship game, it feels to me like they should be in. Um, but 538 is showing something different there. I, I think I agree with you, but how are you going to leave out Wisconsin after they just won the big 10? Uh, they've had some, I, I mean, the, do I have to say more than Illinois? <laughs> that's true. I think that's, that's their bad loss, obviously. And I think that one bad loss keeps them out, even though they've got the conference championship, but they have a two loss team with one really bad loss. So I guess that makes sense here. All right. Now this one is very interesting to me. Um, this is a scenario that I personally am pulling for. <laughs> we get a Georgia win, a Clemson win, an Ohio state win, a Baylor win and a Utah loss. Oh my God. Also chaos that gets you Ohio state and Clemson and Georgia, no matter what, right. Are all in. Yep. And then now, the obvious fourth team is going to be Baylor coming in. What about LSU? One loss, non-conference champion. Yeah. To me. So again, I'm looking at 538 and their, their tool that they have, they have Baylor as the 80% chance as being that fourth team to make the playoffs LSU at 19%. To me, that seems drastically off. To me, I would actually flip that and say it should be Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Georgia as the top four. Wow. So you think LSU would get in? I do. Even if they lose, I think they're in. But they would be the four seed. Ooh. You can't, I, put, you can't have Georgia not uh, ahead of them. No. Oof. They'd have to be the four seed because you've got Ohio State who is undefeated as a conference champion. I, you've got I think, Clemson undefeated as a conference champion. One loss Georgia as a conference champion and one loss LSU non-conference no, champion. They'd have I would, the four. I would have Georgia as a four. I'd have LSU as a three. No way. You can't do that. <laughs> You're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to apologize to AK and Georgia Nation <laughs> again for just doubting the Georgia dogs. Well, I don't think Georgia's going to win anyway, so I don't think we have to even cover about that. Oh, yep. Okay. I said it. All right. I said All right. it. Uh, I believe that I mentioned that Georgia at plus 300 to win the SEC was a bet that I put down. So that was a futures bet on my part. Is it smart to hedge LSU in this game? Yeah, the harder thing there is that you're going to it's going to be tough for you to get a good line that you like. So if I'm looking at money lines right now, what I'm seeing with the LSU game is that they're a favorite of right around minus 260 or minus 250. So you would have to put a bunch of money down in order to cover your initial bet. Uh, you know, certainly doable, um, but probably to not me, worth it. Yeah. To me, this would be one that I would actually, you know, I don't even know what plus, what does plus 300 come out to be? So to me, like you're just, you've gotten pretty good value on that straight up. And yeah. I might just let, so it's like 25% chance. And to me, Georgia has a better than 25% chance of winning this game, maybe 60, 40. So to me, that might be one that you just want to hold on to and just see how it goes. So what I think you're saying is <laughs> let <it> ride. <laughs> That's right. Yes. All right. Well, those are some pretty interesting scenarios. I'm confident, not confident, but I feel like scenario one is the most likely it's going to happen unless my dogs come back and uh, pull an upset miracle win. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. Let's see how uh, the playoff shakes out. And uh, we're going to discuss the playoff. We're going to discuss some bowl games and some bowl picks in a future episode. But before we move on, 
It's time to look back at the man versus model challenge and the season that was amazing. I can't believe it's already over. Yeah. So this was a competition we've been doing for the whole season of college football. We have had 12 other listeners who have joined us for this competition of putting in five or six picks each week against the spread. And we've tracked everything. We've gone up, we've gone down, we've gone head to head. It's been a wild ride. And now it's bringing this to the end. And it was a wild finish, my friend. Yeah. So this is the M night Shyamalan ending that we didn't see coming here. Uh, I'll set the quick stage here. We had Jojo and Shep dog kind of battling it out to the end, but we had a dark horse come on through. We did. So in the final week, the entry Graham went six and O oh in his picks in the final week and shot past everyone and ended up in first place with 59% accuracy. It was freaking out of nowhere. I can't believe it. Now, are we sure this is Graham or is it Brent? I can't see that. I can't read the name too straight. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Listeners. That's a, a deep fantasy football insider reference that we got there. So apologies if you're not in on that joke. Uh, uh, it, but yeah, six and, to end the game and the season is unbelievable. It was amazing. And, uh, I will kind of caveat that with saying that there were a bunch of stumbles by Jojo and Shep dog. Jojo ended up going one and five in his picks in the final week. Shep dog ended up going two and four. So they certainly didn't help themselves, but Graham just had a phenomenal last week and shot by everyone and, uh, is our league champion for 2019. Congratulations, Graham. That's quite the accomplishment. I also do want to take a quick thank you to uh, everyone who played along with us. I know it's uh, asking a lot to join in a competition where there's no money. We're just doing this for fun. So we appreciate everyone's contributions. Uh, But I think the more important thing here is how we finish the man versus the model. So let's let everyone know what happened there. Let's do it. So we're going to go through the full standings right now. So you already know Graham finished in first with 59% accuracy, Uh, a close second, Jojo. Uh, 56% accuracy and right behind him in third was Shepdog with 55%. We had a huge tie for fourth between Lenny, little model, my five-year-old son, and me, the model. We all landed right at 53% accuracy, which I was happy to be on the right side of a coin flip there. Thank goodness for us. In seventh, after the big tie at fourth, in seventh, we had Colorado Rocky at 51%. And then in eighth place, we had another huge tie. We had Luann. AK, mini model, and you, the yeah. man, all right there at 49% accuracy. Yeah. And uh, real quick, if anyone listened to last week to the episode, you knew I had only one last ditch effort, one last trick up my sleeve to potentially win and beat you. Yeah. And I needed things to break my way. Now they didn't. No. Nope. But I flipped off a game that I knew was not going to happen. But I had to find one that I thought maybe could flip. So what did I do? I picked against our guy, Gojo. And let, that, let that one, be a lesson to you. Let that be a lesson to all the kids out there. Okay. Pick with your brain, not your balls. <laughs> and that one game prevented me from being right at 50% for the season, which I'd have been fine with had you not been ahead of me. That's right. Maybe uh, next year I get to retain my, my just – stranglehold on all sports competitions we do on this podcast. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, it's possible. But you know what else there is to look at? The pop culture contests, <laughs> which I am owning you in. So there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, my friend. I don't even want to think of this, man. I just want to revel in my glory. All right. In 12th place, we had the legend at 46% accuracy. 
Dumbman47 at 45% accuracy right behind him in 13th. And then in last place, I think he was in last all year, Deke Buff finished with 39% accuracy. That's a phenomenal, I'm not sure, that's like hard to do. I mean, it's impressive in its own right. (laughs) (laughs) So I should also call out, given all entries, they went 473 wins, correct picks, 470 losses, which, you know, average together translates to exactly 50% accuracy in making these picks. It's just unbelievable, folks. When you look at that, it, this whole season, I mean, that's over 900 picks there. It just comes down to a coin flip. So nuts. maybe next year, uh, what we do is we add an entry in here and it's just a pure coin flip and see who, if the coin wins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that was basically mini model. Uh, who is uh, my two-year-old daughter who is making picks based on team names. Are you telling me that the your children just don't already inherently know <laughs> algorithms? <laughs> Chip off the old block. I like it. <laughs> so that puts a bow on this season. Uh, congratulations, Mr. Model. Uh, you won fair and square. Uh, you beat me once again. So I hope you can uh, celebrate and enjoy the win, but don't celebrate too long. Because it's bowl season, my friend. I'm getting ready. And we'll certainly be talking a lot about our bowl entries, our bowl mania, and all of that. That'll be fun to do and uh, break all that down. Yes, it will. So we're going to do, we're not going to pick this week's conference championship games. We're not going to bet on them uh, with the model data at all. Uh, We've got what we've laid out already, which is the uh, Utah game. And we're also pulling it for Georgia. Uh, we are going to do, though, a full episode. We're going to do a bull mania, and we're also going to do uh, basically a retrospective so that the model can uh, tell everybody basically what you've learned. Uh, we're going to go over how you did overall gambling-wise and any lessons, I guess, that we could uh, give out to other people who are interested in gambling or even potentially building their own model. So let us know uh, what you think about that. That sounds great. I'm excited to do that. It'll be really interesting. It's going to be, I'll tell you, give you a little suspense builder right now. It'll be uh, a tale of two stories. So in the beginning of the year, uh, I was using a certain amount of features. And one of the most important ones was Vegas spread, their opening spread, which I wasn't using at the beginning of the year. Um, I wasn't doing hot. I was down early in the year. And then once I flipped that and started including that in my training data set, uh, my model significantly improved. And since then, it's been very nice. So it's been a tale of two, uh, tale of two halves, and we'll talk a little bit about both of those. Well, all right, my friend. Uh, I guess we'll leave everyone uh, with the first segment ending here uh, with a little bit of uh, go dogs and go Utes, right? That's right. Go Utes, baby. All right. Well, everyone, stick around for our second segment where we're going to be discussing NFL as that season is down to its final stretch as well. So stay tuned for part two. Okay, for our second segment, we are welcoming back our very own NFL insider, Coulter. Coulter, my man, you have now successfully won three weeks in our office football pool challenge. How does it feel just dominating this league? It feels great. Uh, It is one of the best. Actually, not one of the best. It's the best thing of this season. The Broncos are terrible, and this is like kind of the the feather in my cap, so to speak. Um, 
Another week atop the pool standings, as you mentioned, but I can't ha- help but having a sour taste in my mouth because that's that's because I've been absolutely brutal yeah. here on the podcast with my picks. I was going to say, let's do that in pure contrast to your podcast picks, hot, which hot dog poop that's burning on fire. It's they're really bad. I, I joked a few weeks ago that the listeners should fade and they really should. Uh, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing differently between now and Sunday, but I'm less than 33 percent on the pod. And uh, in the pool, I'm above 60%, which would make me a winner even by Vegas standards. So it's really a shocker. Maybe we need to just uh, interview you like Saturday, maybe Sunday morning and get a little insight into the brain. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is again, like I was laying out to you guys in previous weeks, I get fixated on the things uh, on some of the games. And that's the ones that I end up going with on this podcast. And, but like the rest of them are really good because it's like, I'm, I'm not as fixated like the Rams Monday night game. That was just a great day. Like I just didn't see the other side of it and, and didn't switch. Uh, I was just stubborn. And so like, that's why I'm being poisoned on the pod, but in the pool, I'm not like that at all. I'm not as rigid. I'm definitely much more flowing. It's, it's very weird. Yeah. And let's uh, let the listeners know we are recording this uh, around seven o'clock Eastern time, Thursday night, right before the coaching matchup of the century, <laughs> Jason Garrett versus Matt Nagy. So that game is still on the board for us. It's available to pick. But let's just do a quick breakdown because we usually do the worst five coaches in the league. But I think we're at a point now where it's hard to distinguish that. Yeah, I've got 10 that are sure fires. Freddie Kitchens, you're back at number one uh, after that shirt wearing fiasco. I don't know how I got him to four. That was that was the stupidest thing I think I've done all year is, is relegate him down a couple pegs. He is number one and he's not moving. Marone, who was last week's number one, is now number two because I think that's the pure Ron Rivera effect. I think he is like the next in line. I think that locker room is lost. They're not tackling well. It's hard to believe that this team was in an AFC title game two years ago because he really is. Uh, he's not showing any signs of life in that. And we've gone over that in previous weeks. And Adam Gase, I know you want to put Pat Shermer, Kaz, at number three, <laughs> but Adam Gase is number three for me this week because all those same reasons we hammer kitchens, we have to hammer Gase. Horrible attitude, arrogant with the media, and doesn't back it up on the field. He's the complete opposite of Belichick. Uh, you party after winning at four and seven on the season. And this is what you get. You lose to the worst team in the league on the road in what should have been a surefire win. Uh, Adam Gase, you are just atrocious. By the way, this is probably the first time people will, will say this all season, if not in a couple of seasons, a major coaching advantage in Miami this week. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Brian Flores, I'm taking the points in our pool, a little sneak uh, preview. I'm not going to use that as one of my best bets, but give me Brian Flores over Adam Gase. I love what Flores is doing in Miami. Huge coaching advantage, I think, against yeah. the Jets. One of the worst coaches in the league versus, I think, one of the up-and-comers. Really great coaching job down there. Yeah, he Gase burned me so badly last week, it's not even funny. And I don't even want to talk about it right now. We'll, we'll save that as we go to our uh, our reveals of the standings this week. But uh, let's look ahead because there's a couple of shakeups, including uh, the Patriots going down to the Texans. So that shakes up the top of the league, I think. So what we're going to do now, uh, thanks to Coulter finding this information out, let's break down the odds right now for a team to win the Super Bowl. And I think the Patriots were a huge favorite maybe three weeks ago, and now it's not looking so so similar. So, Mr. Model, why don't you uh, read out the top right now teams that have at least a reasonable chance to win this thing, and then let's go around and make our pick. All right, and I'm going to give you guys the top five spots. It's actually six teams because there's one, there's two teams that are tied. 
in the most likely scenario, we have the Baltimore Ravens at plus 250, which translates to 29% chance for them likely to win. Patriots are second at 350, uh, plus 350 at 22% chance. The Saints are at plus 550 in third place, good for a 15% chance to win the Super Bowl. Uh, in fourth, we have a tie. The 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks are both there at plus 700, good for 13% chance. And then in fifth, the Chiefs are at plus 800, good for 11% chance. What do you guys like? All right, Colter, who do you think? Uh, two things. This is this week 14 or whatever the week of the year is when the Patriots become the non-Super Bowl favorite. That's the week of the year where you deposit into your account and you bet on the Patriots. So this is the time to do it. If not this week, next week, because if they lose to Kansas City again, those odds are going to keep going up. You want to get this number when it's fat. Uh, this is a team that will enter the postseason as the favorite. They will. I don't care about their offensive problems. As long as they're 13 and three and they have a buy, they will be Vegas's favorite. I don't care how good the Ravens look. This is a team that will demand the money. You have to jump on them when they're in this situation, especially if they lose again this week, because then the, the fire is really burning. I get, I bet they go from three fifty to five to one. And that is when you really want to hit that, uh, just as for insurance sake. I mean, I don't even like new England this year. You guys have heard me rant against them, but like, it's just value and it's just insurance against watching Super Bowl Sunday and watching that effing team win another Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the way to insure yourself. It's like buying car insurance. Uh, in terms of the odds, the juiciest ones is definitely the chiefs at eight to one. Uh, they have no shot at getting the buy, and that's why their odds are close to that of San Francisco and Seattle, who are two teams that are going to battle it out for the bye week. Um, it tells me something though. The book values Kansas city differently than the other teams that are going to play on wildcard weekend. Where are the Packers? They're at 14 to one. Where are the Texans are 25 to one. That really indicates to me that Kansas city is a different type of wildcard. And we've talked about on the podcast This is an explosive offense, uh, with low odds and an extra game. The public is going to fade the chiefs, uh, with those odds. They're not going to hit on the chiefs at eight to one. So that makes me even like it even more. They're going to bet on teams like the saints because of the revenge. They're going to bet on teams like Baltimore because they're hot and new England because they're new England. And most importantly, the public is not going to bet the chiefs because it's the chiefs. They've never ca- helped anybody cash a winning ticket. I love all of those factors. I'll take the team that the public is fading every day of the week and twice on Tuesday. I kind of like that. Uh, I'm with you with the Patriots insurance. I just think that I agree. They're going to end up being the betting favorite. They're just, they're the fucking Patriots and everyone bets the Patriots. And the joke is with the Patriots that they don't really start their season until they're on their bye in the playoffs for, you know, the first week of the uh, playoffs. So I do like that logic for me though. I'm seeing some real good value here on the Seahawks at plus 700. I know they're not the most complete team and they really do rely too much on Russell Wilson, but he is coming through and he's probably now slipped a little behind Lamar Jackson in the MVP race, but it's not far off. Their defense is pretty solid. They've got a run game. Uh, You know, they've been there. Russell's one, one P Carroll's one, one. I think they have the, the, the pieces to actually make this run. And at seven to one, I kind of like that value. I saw a tweet this weekend that said Pete Carroll has the biggest balls when it comes to calling fake punts. Oh man, it was a great fake punt the other night. Phenomenal call. Perfectly timed, well executed. And that, that really did swing the momentum of that game. My one fear with Seattle is what if they get the five seed out in the West? Uh, That's the kind of team I, I, I fully agree 
at the end of this month, I would look to allocate a couple of dollars onto the Seahawks for the reasons you laid out. I really like the way that offense looks now too. They got two headed beast with Penny and Carson. I love that. I love Wilson and you got to like the receivers they have with Metcalf and Lockett and the tight end Hollister. They're really a loaded offense and you know, you've got top end talent on defense with Clowney and Wagner. So yeah, I like Seattle for all the reasons you laid out, but I kind of want to hesitate on betting it right now because if they get the five seed, it becomes noticeably harder, I think for them uh, to win the super bowl. And, and maybe the value is even better. You know, if yeah. they're a five seed, what if they're 14 to one and they're the five seed? I, I'll take it. You know, I'll yeah. take uh, doubling their odds. If it means they have to play one extra game. Uh, I really do like that. And that extra game will be against the Cowboys or the uh, the Eagles who they already beat the Eagles. So yeah, I I would wait just to see what happens with them. Um, and just to see what the odds look like, but yeah, I like Seattle a lot as well. That's a really good point. Um, any of these potential long shots and I really don't want to get too far down into it, but like Packers, Texas, Vikings, you think any of them Houston? Yeah. uh, You have to think about it as a quarterback's game. And if you're going to take Wilson or Jackson or Aaron Rodgers, why not take Deshaun Watson? Yeah. They have to play an extra game, but it's going to be against the bills or possibly even the Steelers or the Titans. Either way. I think those odds are high because the Pats and Ravens have locked up the one and two, but it's not an extra game. That's so scary. That scares me away from their number. 25 to one is great. They're not playing a Minnesota or San Francisco or Seattle. Like some of these NFC teams are, they're playing a weak wildcard team. Um, my now, assumption is that no wild cards get through in the AFC. I think it's going to be one, two, three, four in divisional rounds. So if that's the case, 25 to one Texans just have to win three games. You can hedge out at the Super Bowl if they get there. So I don't now, mind that. Let me just uh, clarify, because maybe it's me. Maybe I'm getting a little old here. Okay. Maybe Bill O'Brien's good. <laughs> you Bill, O'Brien's that Bill O'Brien, this guy that you've been shitting on all season. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> See, this is why we do the podcast together. This is a great A example. We, we keep each other accountable. You don't want to bet on Houston. Kaz is absolutely right. Bill O'Brien, what am I doing? I'm offering the Texans on a podcast. Yeah, no, it, it, you're absolutely right. It, it's Bill O'Brien, and that's the reason why you wouldn't want to play it. I just think the odds are are really nice. Uh, give me Deshaun Watson, 25 yeah. to 1. Eventually, this guy's going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, it's the Russell Wilson theory, you know, when he was a young quarterback in his third year or second year, he won a super bowl, you know? So all I'm saying is Houston, just, if they get there, you have a 25 to one ticket, you can hedge, you know, I don't think it's impossible. They just beat new England. We know that they're uh, on the same path as new England, I think. And they held their own against Kansas city. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. So I think that does have value. Now, I do want to shift gears slightly uh, because I think most of this season, everyone's been under the assumption that the NFC has got the better team and that the AFC is just really top heavy. And Coulter, you have uh, a hot take on that. Hot, hot take. AFC is not only better than the NFC, it's much better. And let's just look at the top. We'll just go straight down during the standings. Ravens just beat the Niners, albeit narrowly at a home field. At a neutral, this result is saying the San Fran actually might win. So is San Fran the better team? No, I'll take the better quarterback in Jackson over Jimmy G, the more healthy offensive line, uh, the more explosive offensive playmakers. They all are in Baltimore. I think in better conditions, Baltimore is even more explosive. And I really just don't like Jimmy G playing from behind. We're going to get to him in a little bit later in this podcast. Um, I think that these are the top two teams in the league. I'm not saying San Francisco is not a top two team. Um, but I just think that the AFC is just going to keep, this is going to be a theme. I'm going to go through it all, but I think the Ravens are better at top. Let's look at the two seeds, Pats, Saints, two favorite coaches in the NFL, but I'm still going to give a slight edge to Belichick and Brady. 
I think Vegas has, we just went over the odds. They think the Pats are much more valuable than the saints. Um, the saints just don't have enough weapons as I've already outlined on the pod a few times before they have Kamara and Thomas, but that's really not, that's it. After that, they don't, they have Ted Ginn. They don't have enough guys. I think in the postseason to actually win enough games to make it to the super bowl. Um, this one's the closest of all the seedings, but I still think Pats get the edge. So you have AFC edge at one and two, the three seed, the chiefs, this isn't even close. Again, the Super Bowl odds say it isn't close. Eight to one to fourteen to one. Who's the better team? According to Vegas, it's the Chiefs by a country mile. Uh, KC is a lot better coach. They have better skill position players, and they they actually have a better defense statistically than Green Bay. Um, it's Chiefs by a mile. Texans Cowboys again, not close. I like Watson versus pretty much anybody at this point. Uh, Texans might not be a top six team, but they're better than the Cowboys. Bills Seahawks. Now this is where it actually gets interesting. Yeah. Seattle is overrated. I'm sorry. They're overrated. They've won so many narrow games. I think on a neutral field that the spread would be Seattle minus four. And I would take the bills plus four in that if Vegas, if that, if this was the super bowl, hypothetically, and the bills are plus four, plus four and a half, I would take the points. I know that the Seahawks would be favored. I'm not denying that the NFC gets a point here. This is their first win in the standing, so to speak, but I still like the bills. I think they run the ball better. And I think their defense is better. Um, and I don't think the margin is that that wide between Wilson and Allen anymore. I think Allen's actually really improved. And then last but not least, Titans Vikings. These teams are dead equal. I mean, Kirk Cousins and Tannehill is like that Spider-Man gif where <laughs> Spider-Man's pointing at himself. I mean, is Cook that much better than Henry? Just like the last example, I think Vikings would be a favorite on a neutral field against Tennessee, but I would take Tennessee plus three or plus four against Minnesota. Yeah, and I and think that's you gotta it. worry about health too. I mean, Dalvin Cook's hurt. Uh, right. You know, there's some injuries there on the NFC that, that you might be a little nervous about. And I think one thing that will play a difference, too, is how it shakes out with the, the Seahawks and the Niners for that uh, NFC West division. I know you're a little down on Seahawks. I just went over all the reasons why I'm a little up on the Seahawks. But uh, I think the big difference there is that you've got the NFC East and the Cowboys or Eagles are going to come out as the division winner hosting a playoff game. And that's a joke. So certainly you've got the four division winners that are going to be stronger. And then I guess it shakes out to, to the wild card teams. So I don't hate that. Um, but it, I think there's still a lot that's going to be played out, obviously. So we'll see how the season ends. But you you put down a little bet on this, right, for the Super Bowl? I do. I have the AFC in the Super Bowl, and I actually suggest our, our listeners get in on that. For the reasons I just outlined earlier, I took the Chiefs, Texans. Those are the two long shots. That's not even including the Ravens and the Patriots, who I think – Again, if they draw an NFC team, I think they're the favorite. And I w- I'd be inclined to take the Ravens against San Francisco. I'd take the Ravens over the Saints. You know, I'd take the Patriots over the Saints. I'd take the Patriots over San Francisco. It's just, I just see there's just, there. maybe it's more top heavy and the wild cards aren't as good. And that's why the media is saying this, that the NFC is so much better and deeper. But if you go deeper down, I mean, the NFC teams are the Rams, Eagles, Bears, Bucks, Panthers. Ugh. AFC has Colts, Raiders, Browns, Chargers, and Steelers. Uh, there's a coaching advantage, I think in the NFC a little bit there, but not by much. I mean, a lot of bad coaches, in fact, there, I mean, you got Peterson, who's borderline a bottom 10 coach this year. And then you have Nagy, uh, Rivera got fired. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of a mess. I, all I'm saying is I don't think it's as bad as people are saying. And I just think the AFC has some good teams. I think the bills are a lot better. We saw it on Thursday last week, uh, when they took it down the Cowboys in Dallas. Yeah. That was a game. That's a good segue that we picked. We were on. 
So let's go, Mr. Model. Uh, let's take a look at uh, our picks from last week and where we stand in terms of I'm the gonna, podcast challenge. I'm going to cover my uh, my ears and eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so just as a quick reminder for last week, we did three games last week in celebration of Thanksgiving. One of the games had to happen on Thanksgiving, and then we could pick two others. So in the uh, scoring that we're doing for this week, we are giving one point to the Thanksgiving game, one point to the non-key game, and two points to our key pick, which we always do. Uh, just as an overall, I ended up going three and zero last week. Ryan, you went two and one, and Coulter, you went one and two, if I'm seeing it correctly. So to go through it first, Coulter, you had taken uh, for your Thanksgiving game Buffalo plus six and a half over Dallas. That came through for a win, and then your other two were losses: the LA Chargers minus two and a half, and the New York Jets minus three and a half. Neither one of those were able to cover. I actually got the Bengals in our pool and I was one of three guys with Cincinnati. So that was a gigantic turn. Uh, I switched out at the last second because I just thought the jets are partying. I don't, it just, it reeked. It was like, I can't believe this team was partying after beating the Raiders and thank God I did that. Cause that was a huge leg up on everybody. And that's another example of like, I guess just changing it and being lucky on Sunday, uh, rather than being unlucky or yeah, lucky on Sunday and unlucky here on the pod. I wish I had some of that. Same. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I, I only faded the jets because of that party thing. It wasn't, there wasn't really much else to it. <laughs> That's amazing. So Kesley, your Thanksgiving game, you also had Buffalo plus six and a half over Dallas that came through. You had taken the jets minus three and a half, which again was a loss. And then your key pick green Bay minus six and a half over your own New York giants came through again. Key yeah. pick Kesley lives on. Listen, uh, I now move to 11 and two on the season against the spread for my key picks. Everyone out there should be listening to what I have to say. I hope people are out there betting along with me because I'm just handing out money at this point. I think we should try to get Poland spring or Aquafina to sponsor it and make it like clear as crystal water. Key pick Casale. <laughs> I, I, just keep, I, I keep that. seeing Poland spring and keep it Hasley. I don't know why it's, it's like, it's there. Maybe smart water. Hey, smart water. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> just spitballing. We have to get a sponsor for it. It's I just know, too good. Seriously. This is getting ridiculous. Uh, and then for, <laughs> for my games, I went three and zero. I had taken Chicago minus two and a half over Detroit for my Thanksgiving game. They barely eked out a win and a cover there, which was good. David Blau the Detroit third string quarterback played way better than I would have liked. Matt so Nagy had me oof. mid mid Thanksgiving heart attack, heart palpitations. <laughs> I was like, is he really going to do this to me this early? <laughs> it was not looking good, especially in the first half. Uh, the second game, San Francisco plus five and a half over Baltimore. They were able to cover with that one. Although that was a close game and Buff uh, Baltimore was very much in control. And then new Orleans minus six and a half over Atlanta. That one just barely came through by just a point. So I was a three, three, and oh, and are you ready for our standings? Hit me with a baby in first place. We have Ryan with Hello. Tw- 23 points, 13 wins and 14 losses. So you are still riding Key pick Hasley. Can I just point something out? By the way, I have 13 wins and 14 losses. 11 of those 13 are my key fucking picks. It's ridiculous. It's amazing. I don't know how Carry, you do it. Carrying you to victory. I love it. <laughs> I am having a you know late season heater here. I am now up to 21 points. I have 14 wins and 13 losses, so I'm coming on strong. Don't look too much in the rearview mirror there, Kesley. I'm coming, baby. 
And then Coulter, even though you are just dominating and leading the overall pool, you are struggling here. You have down to 10 points, nine wins and 18 losses in your podcast picks. I guess it's better to lose on here because I'm winning the money in reality, but I really do feel bad for the listeners. I, I owe it to them to give a couple winners this week. It's the homework is there this week. I, I really feel like I'm going to turn the corner finally. Why don't we have you started off then? Perfect uh, th- segue. <laughs> this, this, this is uh, my first one. I know I just poo pooed this team, uh, but the Saints minus two and a half at home. I can't love this one more. Uh, the number one reason why I like the Saints here is there's a trend. Since Sean Payton is their head coach, uh, since he's taken over, they're 14 and one versus teams with a uh, winning percentage of 80% or more. And that's fit San Francisco here. I love the fact that they're, they're at home playing a good team. Uh, this is a team that gets up in these spots is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think this is a great scheduling spot too, for, uh, the saints. I'm getting the better QB at home. I'm getting the better skill position guys and I'm getting the better defense. Uh, and I'm getting them on 10 days rest. That's the most important thing. Uh, San Francisco just played a gauntlet green Bay and Baltimore. Um, they're exhausted after this gauntlet of games, uh, playing four times on the East coast already this season hurts them. Uh, I just don't see how they get up for this game. They've traveled back and forth so many times. I kind of think that this is a home run spot for the saints. Um, everyone thinks the saints because they've lost to the Rams in week two, and they lost to the Falcons a few weeks ago that their losses are bad. I kept hearing that on Monday night on ESPN that the saints have weak losses. First of all, they lost to the Rams in week two. There's a team that was in the super bowl. They had all their offensive starters healthy. Then they've lost four since then. And they, as I've laid out on the podcast several times, they lost to Atlanta because they were out celebrating Sean Payton's engagement 24 hours before kickoff. Both of those losses are very explainable to me. Uh, I don't see how the saints are being slandered by anybody. This is a very good football team and I'll take it at less than three at home. Woo. That's a really good breakdown. I, I was just, I'm so like, I'm not seeing the saints well at all this season. I think that home, they're always a lock, especially with breeze and Peyton. I just love that. The fact that it's under a field goal. I also love San Fran. I just, it, they seem like they're a scrappy team. That defense is really loaded. And just the the Saints dud at home against the Falcons always scares me, but I, I am with you. I, I'm on the Saints as well here. Uh, I just see this as a good chance for the Saints to really make a statement win here and uh, kind of announce themselves just in front of the playoffs. This team also could lose that two spot. I, I think a lot of people are taking it for granted that it's going to be the NFC West winner and the Saints. The Packers are right on their heels. This is a must-win game for them yeah. for all uh, for the seeding reasons. A little bonus insight here, and I, I wish I had the wherewithal to get this right last week, but on the podcast, this, this is a really long way to get at my point. But Ron Rivera got fired, and I had mentioned there's a way to hedge if you think he's going to get fired, and that's bet the Redskins' money line last week. Sure enough, that hit. Here's a little bit of a futuristic thing. I think the NFL really, really, really wants Niners at Cowboys on the late Sunday wildcard weekend slot. I would bet so much money that we get that game, but you can't bet that exact matchup. But how can you bet it? You can fade San Francisco in this game. That's how I'm doing it. I'm taking the Saints here. I'll take the Saints money line and the points. I'll do both of them. I really, really think that we get Niners and Cowboys. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Sunday afternoon. Five versus four. I think that's a mortal lock. I can, I can feel, smell it. I can <laughs> feel it in my plums. <laughs> that's just the only way to make the Cowboys game interesting. I actually really like that, Coulter. <laughs> 
Oh, I love it. I love Jimmy G versus Dak. I, I just, I love it in Dallas Niners Cowboys. I mean, come on. Yeah, that would be sweet. Okay. You convinced me. That makes me feel better. Mr. Model. What do you think? Uh, not much else to add. I too am with New Orleans here. I have some worries about Drew Brees' arm and say, does he have the strength that he has had in the past? I'm not convinced that that's back yet. I would also disagree. Coulter, you made one statement that you said San Francisco has the worst defense than New Orleans. I think their defense is better than New Orleans's defense. I think that's one of the strengths of their team. So that to me would also be one of the worries. Can they come in and shut down uh, Kamara? Yeah, I mean the Niners' defense has been impressive. I'm not, no, I'm not knocking them. I think they're toe and toe. I just think at home, I think New Orleans' D has an edge. I think Lattimore went healthy. There's not a player on San Francisco's defense is as good as Lattimore, at least in the secondary. Uh, I could be wrong, but I, I mean, I just, I like that Saints' D at home. I think they're motivated. I think they're hungry. You're, you're right. Overall, t- like talent for talent, uh, they're more equal. But I just think that with the motivation and the home factor, I think that propels the defense up a, n- a notch. All right. Reasonable. Mr. Model, you want to go next? I do. So for my non-key pick game, I'm going to go to the Monday night game between Philadelphia and your (laughs) New York Giants. And now it was recently announced that your boy, I guess that your now boy, Daniel Jones, uh, is not going to be starting. And your old boy, Eli Manning, is going to be coming in for a little bit of a goodbye tour. Yeah. How how do you feel about that? First of all, before you make your pick here, (laughs) I just want to say I want the Giants to lose every single game the rest of the season so that we can clean absolute house. We have the number one pick. We maybe trade down to, like, say, number three, load up on some draft picks and pick Chase Young. Now, having said that, I want nothing more than Eli to come out and absolutely thrash and just gut the Philadelphia Eagles. I would love it. I would fucking love it. And I want the Cowboys to win. You'll never hear this again out of my mouth. I want the Cowboys to win tonight and Eli to absolutely shove it up the Philly ass. (laughs) I would love it. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't see it. So, uh, I am taking Philadelphia minus eight and a half against your own New York football giants. I think with Eli out, I, Eli playing. I think he's going to be super motivated. I think he's going to want to make some things happen, but I just don't think he's going to have the talent around him. I think golden Tate is already uh, out and not playing with injuries. Uh, I'm not sure about some of the other guys, but to me, he's just not going to have the weapons needed. So I think uh, Philadelphia is going to be coming in very motivated to make up for a terrible loss that they had against the dolphins last week. The line that we have locked in our pool is eight and a half. And the public line right now is already up to nine and a half or 10, depending on where you look. I mean, everyone's down on Eli, you know, Hey, maybe the 38 year old body got a little, uh, help by sitting out the past seven weeks. Who knows? You know, maybe that's the case you can hold your hat on, but I, I wish it would happen. I, I just, it's the Eagles are going to win that game. I'm going to point out one thing here. And I, there's three quarterbacks in the league who I think, or maybe four, if you want to include Philip Rivers in this category. These are, I don't give an F quarterbacks who will throw into any sort of traffic or situation because they just don't give an F and here they are. Jameis Winston. That's he's a turnover machine. As we know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just beat these Eagles last week because of that same, don't give an F mentality and Eli Manning. He don't give an F. He will throw the ball anywhere. He don't care. He does not care. He will throw in weird situations and weird spots. 
And yeah, it might screw the giants, but it'll make the game fun. I mean, this is an Eagles team. They couldn't put away the dolphins. I don't know if they could put away the giants. I kind of like the quarterback mentality of just throwing it wherever. I mean, it got far in the NFL for 17 seasons. I feel like, you know, it's the gunslinger mentality. It doesn't always pay off, but it does cover spreads that are eight and a half a lot. I'm sure. I mean, look at the dolphins last week and there's no reason why they should have won that game. But Fitzpatrick just has that mentality of like, I'm just going to wing the ball and hopefully it'll get there. And you know, sometimes it won't, but like, you know, I'm a high variance. He's a, they're both, they're all high variance guys. So, I mean, Eli, yeah, he could have five picks on Monday. He also could have four touchdowns and 400 yards. Yeah. You just never know what you're getting. He uh, could win the game I, straight up is what I'm saying. Exactly. Eight and a half is a lot because they could win the game outright with Eli. I think. Yeah. Uh, having said all that though, Mr. Model, I, I think I'm with you. I, I think, I think Philly gets that cover. I have Philly too, because I think Shermer is just awful. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't bet with Shermer. I can't bet with Gase. I can't bet with some of these guys. Fred, I'm off Freddie this week. I'm taking the Bengals. I, there's just coaches now that I'm just, now we're in December and I, I have a, I have a one point lead on your dad in the pool. And it's like, I'm just go, I'm going to sticking with my balls and I'm going against <laughs> the coaches. I hate the most. And this week it's just lined up perfectly where I'm fading Freddie, Adam Gase and Shermer. And I'm not even going to think about it again. Yeah. Uh, there's a few games this week for myself that I wasn't sure on, but I, I think I'm sticking with you here. These, uh, going against bad coaches. So for my first uh, pick, I went back and forth. I literally have changed my picks probably 10 times this week. Uh, I have settled upon an interesting game with some playoff ramifications here. I'm taking the Tennessee Titans on the road in Oakland minus two and a half. Now, it's a little, I'm a little nervous taking Ryan Tannehill on the road here, but something about this team is just scrappy. Like Mike Vrabel and that mustache and Derrick Henry is a bruiser. Somehow he's got Ryan Tannehill looking like the quarterback everyone thought Miami thought he would be, I guess. So they're playing really well. Oakland, look, they've had a really good run. I think they're in a position that, most people did not expect them to be in at least this quickly under the Gruden regime. I think they regress back. I think they show their true colors here and Oakland just loses a, a game that they need to win. And it shoots the Titans up into a pretty strong hold on the, the last playoff spot here. What do you think? I'm going to go first. I am all on board with that pick. I love Derek Henry in late November, early December. That guy is just an absolute animal. He cannot be stopped. It's the weirdest thing. I just, I don't know where it comes from, but to me, they've been an absolute shock of how well they're playing. This was one of the ones that I had circled. And this is actually my key pick Ooh, for the week that I'm taking Tennessee minus two and a half. I love it. Colton, what do you think? No disagreement here. I mean, Tennessee is hot. Their, their, their defense is really good. And it, it makes me wonder, uh, Oakland could only muster nine points against Kansas city. And I know I just complimented the defense of Kansas city. It hasn't improved as a unit, but their run defense is still as soft as vanilla pudding. And Josh Jacobs could, I mean, he got to hundred yards, but they really couldn't do anything. Nine points against that Kansas city D what are they going to do against Dean P's defense in Tennessee? This is a mean defense. I think, uh, Carr doesn't get vertical. He throws short. He throws to the running backs. He throws to Waller. They don't have enough downfield vertical guys. I think if Tennessee gets a lead, they can just run Henry. And I don't see how Carr can even come back in this yeah. game. The one factor, uh, it is Derrick Henry season, but it is also 
final games in Oakland season. This team is going to get up for its home crowd as it has in the past this season. I think I want to say they're actually undefeated at home. Uh, I don't know if we could check that or not in the pod, but that would be my my one hesitation is is that Oakland at home has been a juggernaut this year, and they've got that the black hole crowd in their last season, last month of the last season that they're there. I'm going to take Tennessee, but the listeners should definitely uh, just be wary of the home field there, uh, especially with the points. That's the weird. You know, if it was a pick 'em, I would say I'm going to take Tennessee, no doubt about it. I like Tennessee a lot more than I like Oakland for all the reasons we've gone over, but the, it, it, you are getting, you, you have to eat the two and a half and it's at Oakland. That's the yeah. one thing. Their only home loss was week two against the chiefs. So otherwise they're, they're winning their home games, but I just want to read you out right now. The past three weeks, Oakland's offense put up Brutal. 17 points against the Bengals, three points against the Jets, and nine points against the chiefs. It doesn't get any uh, easier for them facing that Tennessee defense. So that's why I'm riding with Tennessee. Yeah, All I right. can agree. This is the coldest team in the league for sure. I think yeah, the Raiders. I agree. All right, Coulter, what do you got for your key pick? <laughs> yeah, you were talking about how you've gone back and forth and left and right here. And so have I with the key pick. At one point I was thinking Houston against my poor Broncos, but then I was like, I can't give out Bill O'Brien twice on the podcast. <laughs> And then I was like, you know, what's a home run is the chargers versus Doug Marone, my second worst coach in the league. But I also can't give out the chargers. This is the most unlucky team in sports history. They're literally historic. They are historic in the way that they lose games. Uh, they are the 10th team in NFL history. I just learned to have plus points on the season. So they have beaten their opponents more than their opponents have beaten them. Like the old plus minus in baseball. And, uh, they're the first team after week 12 that is four and eight or, you know, whatever their percentage is and have that be the fact they, they should be a, a 500 team in their four and eight is basically what the stat is. They should be six and six easily. Somehow they're four and eight, but I'm not going to give Anthony Lynn or Bill O'Brien. Cause that's just bad advice. I'm going to give my coach of the year, uh, some love here. And it's Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. What a job he has done two and a half against Arizona. I know they're going on the road and it's duck Hodges that I don't love going across country, but I mean, Tomlin is a veteran coach. He knows how to get his team across country and play on the West coach. Here's what I love about this Arizona, Kyler Murray. They're one of the youngest teams in the league. This is a team full of guys who've only played 11 to 12 games in college. What, how many games have Arizona has Arizona played so far this season? 12. And when was the last time they won October? This team is cold because it has a bunch of young kids who are not used to playing into December. Pittsburgh is a grown man's defense. Hayward Fitzpatrick. I mean, this is a team that is loaded on that side of the ball. Why to it? I love this defense. I hate going on the road and taking the two and a half, just as I was talking about with Tennessee. Uh, but I, it's my best bet. I love Mike Tom. And I, I, I I entered the year. I hated that guy. I thought he was a terribly overrated coach, but man, what a job he's done. They're seven and five. And I really, really, really want to fade the Cardinals down the stretch here. I think Kyler is small. I think that defensive line eats him alive. And I, I saw nothing from them last week against the, the Rams. That's the real reason why, I mean, talk about a team that was beaten. The Rams look dead as uh, you know, anybody in the league. And then they play the Arizona Cardinals and they look like they're a playoff team again. So give me the Steelers two and a half. What do you guys think? Yeah. I am all on board with you here. I think the Cardinals, if you were to analyze their season, I think you would say it was a success given the experiment with Kyler and the experiment with Cliff as the coach. I think they've shown flashes that this is going to work. And now I think they're at the point where it'll benefit them to 
basically lose out, get more draft picks, and then you know make a run at this year two, year three. So I think uh, I, I agree with that analysis. I also love the Steelers, and I actually think Duck is a pretty damn good quarterback. I know he makes a mistake. I know he's a third stringer, but it's not like he's going against the, one of the best defenses in the league. Okay, He's going against the Cardinals. He showed some things to me, and for whatever reason, this Steelers team is gritty. Mike Tomlin should absolutely be in the running for coach of the year. Uh, I'm all with you there. I love that pick. I'm in total agreement. I too am taking them to me. Uh, Tomlin is probably the coach of the year for sure. Um, maybe Harbaugh is up there, but I like, you know, what he's done just with big Ben going down very early. So I am all over them as well. Yeah. The one, th- the one thing I will caution our listeners and not only is it that I've been off with the best bet. So really use extra caution here. Uh, is that this, if you look at the Cardinals schedule this month, this is the last game that they can win. They play Cleveland the next week. And so that's going to sound like an oxymoron, but Cleveland's going to beat this Arizona team. And then they play Seattle and the Rams. So if the Cardinals do want to get a fourth win, they are going to get up for duck Hodges because this is the one game remaining on their schedule that they can win. Uh, But I still just like, I just don't see how that Pittsburgh D line is such an advantage. I think over small Kyler Murray, and this is a young team. I think they're running on fumes now. Okay, Mr. Model, who do you got for your key pick? So you you already answered it earlier in the podcast. I am taking Tennessee minus two and a half over Oakland as my key That's pick. Right. We already went through it. Derrick Henry is just the animal that I'm going to ride this week. Uh, I am all in on them, and I think they're going to beat John Gruden <laughs> and his Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Be careful. Be careful with the word animal. We saw, we saw the San Francisco announcer get in trouble. That's true. Yep. Got to choose the words. <laughs> that guy. Woo. Um, okay. I guess that leaves key pick Casale. Now you brought you by Poland spring. He brought you by (laughs) Poland spring water crystal clear. When you see the board with crystal precision. Now you don't get to be key pick Casale for nothing. Okay. You don't get to 11 and two by happenstance. You got to do the things that nobody else is willing to do. Now, if I may give a little line from Wolf of Wall Street, because I just listened to the Rewatchables podcast. A plus pod. Yep. I don't ask my listeners to judge me on my winners, but to judge me on my losers because I have so few. I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. And in the case of the Chiefs, based on every technical factor out there, John, we are looking at a grand slam home run. Okay. now, having said that, I am going to a place where no one will probably go this week. I'm taking a road team as my key pick, and I've got the balls to do this. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs plus two and a half going into New England. And you're all probably saying you're fucking crazy. New England's going to have to prove themselves sooner or later. This game is at home. It's going to be cold. But guess what? Kansas City is also a cold city. The cold doesn't frighten Andy Reid. His little polar bear mustache is going to be all frozen up. And I just want to give you the reason for this. How in God's name are the Patriots going to keep up and score with the Chiefs? The Chiefs are not going to probably score as much as they have. But let me just read you the past couple of weeks, okay? They put up 26 in a win against the Vikings. They put up 32 in a loss to the Titans. 24 in a win against the Chargers, but that was that Mexico City weird game. Terrible field. 
yeah, terrible field. And then they throw out 40 last week on a Raiders team that's trying to compete for a playoff spot here. I think the fact that I'm getting points with this Chiefs offense and Coulter, as you said, that defense is rounding into place here. I'm so down on New England, at least their offense. Where are they going to score points from? And for that reason alone, the fact that the Chiefs are getting points makes me love this pick. What do you guys think? A plus pick and a plus on the ballsiness of it too. I would never think to put it as my best bet, but I'm riding the chiefs. I've been against new England now for a straight month. I was looking back at my previous weeks. I faded them. And so far it's cashing uh, over the last month. I think I would three and one fading the Pats in November. I love this Kansas city play. You, the one thing you missed in your handicap there, Kaz is this is besides the saints playing the Rams, the biggest revenge spot any team has had this season. Talk about motivation. They lost this game because freaking D Ford lined up off sides. I'm talking about the game in January, the last time they played. Holy moly. Talk about a team that wants to prove itself against the Patriots. I mean, I think the Chiefs had them dead to right. So they got so lucky to get bailed out in that game. I know people are going to say, look, it's Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. They got lucky. I don't care which way you cut it. They would have lost that game if it wasn't for the false start. I love Kansas City in this spot for all the reasons you mentioned. If they get up, it's the same thing we just saw with the Ravens a few weeks ago and the Texans last week. Once the the Patriots are down, I haven't seen this team be able to come from behind. Yeah. So give me the Chiefs. All Mahomes has to do is go up 7 nothing in the first quarter, and this game could be over. I, I agree. Let me say that. <laughs> I agree. My, my worry, and I wouldn't make this my key pick, my worry is that there's weather coming. And yeah. To me, the speed of the Kansas City offense is hugely dependent on a field that is going to be without snow and rain. So while they have a ton of weapons and the speed is just absolutely phenomenal, my worry is that if there's snow that comes through, this game quickly becomes a very close game that the New England defense could likely keep them under wraps offensively for Kansas City. And then to me, it becomes a coin flip. So then I'm like, okay, well, then I could actually see New England coming through. So I would want to wait to see what happens on Sunday, like what they're expecting instead of picking this on a Thursday night. But the same could be said for the Patriots offense. If it's weather at the Patriots offense, what the hell are they going to do? I just see them as being like a slow plotting. You know, you have little flare passes out to James White. Who's going to catch that and be able to make a move. They have, uh, who's the Georgia running back going up the middle. Sonny Michelle. Thank you. Like a bruiser. Like to me, they just have some guys that it's weather irrelevant. Whereas the speed of the Kansas city offense to me is much more dependent on that outcome. Let me ask you a real quick question here. Who is the chief's main running back right now? Sean McCoy. Yes, it is. And does anyone recall maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago when there was an absolute blizzard and you couldn't see anything and who had a massive game? LaShawn McCoy. And Andy Reid selected him, hand selected him off hand the picked. Hand. Yeah, free agent wire. He picked this guy because he knew his team was missing one dimension, and that is a veteran running back. Damien Williams is explosive, but he's unreliable. Same with all these other guys, Darwin Thompson. And that I don't know if that's a reason to like Kansas City in this spot because they will have to run and dominate the ball just like Baltimore did. Um, I don't know if they can do that, so that might be an advantage for New England. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out to our listeners in our pool, it's actually two and a half, which would be the one reason I would not want to take Kansas City's because it's just not enough points. But right now the spread is three and it's been at three and a half at some other places. That's the number you want to grab it at. Two and a half is not enough value because uh, it's just not enough value. But three or three and a half, I love it. And then the other thing is I said probably five weeks in a row, New England, hello, doesn't have a kicker. Do not want to take New England. You don't yep. want to take the Colts either. A little bonus thing for the, I'm going with the Bucks in our pool. 
You don't want teams that can't kick in December. There's no value in the spread. I mean, that Indianapolis game, they outgained Tennessee. By the way, Tennessee is a hot team, and I like that pick, but like, maybe we should look closer at that game. They outgained Tennessee by 100-plus yards. That game was totally swung in that block kick. Vinatieri is atrocious. And the, the pass kicking situation, I would go as far to say, I think they had a really bad secondary in 2011 or something like that. But if Belichick was on his deathbed, I guarantee if you asked him what are his three least favorite things that have happened to him in his life, he would go with Jets first, that whatever that secondary was the year where they literally couldn't cover a cold because he's a secondary guy and he's a genius. And then number three would be the 2019 kicking situation. He must <laughs> hate this. It is atrocious what's going on up there. I'm personally loving it, but if you're a Patriots fan or if you're Bill Belichick, you must be going crazy. I like Kansas City because they do have a reliable kicker, Harrison Butker. Yeah. So I, I, and you know, it's a ballsy pick and it's not easy, but Hey, you don't get to be key pick Casley without showing a little bit of balls. Just a little nugget too. uh, the fading. The Patriots helped me win the pool last week. So it does pay to fade the Patriots. Uh, It paid last week. Again, another one where the the whole pool was like 25 out of 30 plus guys were on the Patriots. I had Texans. That was gigantic. Really needed that one to win the cash. And I think it's going to be the same thing in our pool this week. It's one of those classic fade fade the public. There's no way that the, the public is not on two and a half new England. Yep. Now, before we wrap this episode up, I just want to let the listeners know how we're doing in our pool that we're competing against here. So Coulter, you are in first place out of a total of 29 entries right behind you. One pick behind is my dad, rusty <laughs> we, right at the nips of you. And then two back of that is uh, Aaron. So it's tight. We got to get your dad on for a guest spot. This, yeah. That has to happen. I think uh, if, if the standings hold the way they are, uh, hopefully we'll get them on next week and uh, we'll That'd have be so insight. great. I'd <laughs> love to, I'd love to pick games with him. That'd be so awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's all for it. So we'll hopefully see what, what he's doing to, to pick and why that, you know, picking gene did not get translated down to me <laughs> in this. Pool, I, I, I think it, like, I, I think it did. It, it's just the key. It's, it's a, uh, what's the word? It's kind of condensed into key pick You know, it's kind of filtered down into one thing specifically. Love that. Great analysis. That's <laughs> why you are our insider Coulter. <laughs> I mean, it's there. I mean, your, your money on the key pick. I mean, yeah. it really is. It's like, if we all just bet 500 bucks on your key pick, we would be, we'd be having rolling. Christmas gifts. And then some, we'd be all going to Mexico for vacation. We'd be rolling in the dough. Well, all right, everybody, we're hopefully going to release this episode right before kickoff on the Thursday night game. That is episode 59 in the books. We'll see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Um, I know their season is perceivably over the Chargers, but let's not forget this is a playoff team from last year. They had the better quarterback. The Broncos season is just over with it. Their offensive line is in disarray. They can't run the football. They have a backup quarterback. Uh I know it's taking Anthony Lynn on the road with two and a half points, like taking Mitch Trubisky on the road, but I know my team, I know my team. Well, they're not winning this game. In fact, uh, maybe one other game they win this year. The only way, the only way I think this bites me in the ass is if the Chargers somehow win a funky 19, seven game, a 17 game, and they don't actually cover that two and a half spread that I could see. I could see them missing an extra point early in the game and winning the game by two points. And so maybe I'm doing our disservice to our listeners, but the chargers are winning this football game. That is a lock. Therefore I have to take the two and a half points. Cause I just perceive them winning by a field goal. If they miss the extra point and I lose by half a point, I apologize dearly to the listeners. I could see it with Sandy or with LA. Cause they're a freaking weird ass team. 
Um, I'm putting that out there full disclosure to our listeners because the two and a half is a little tricky there with that extra point being potentially missed. But man, Denver, they're a beaten dog. And I just, uh, two road games, they're, they're dead on energy. They just got beaten around by two of the league's best teams, Minnesota and Buffalo. They're weak. They're soft right now. And I think it's over. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of problems in Denver. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this yeah. podcast, ownership, coaching, quarterback play. Uh, I'm fading the boys. I'm getting a, you know, I'm trying to climb up the podcast standings and, and going back to my grassroots. I'm actually pretty good against the Broncos in our pool too. I was looking at it. So I know my own team pretty well when we're going to cover when we're not, um, the last three weeks I'm four and up on games of the Broncos in the pool. So I, I have a pretty good pulse on this team and I'm taking the chargers. I have two thoughts on this game. One would be the asinine, insane cover that your Broncos had against the Vikings that came out of nowhere. I didn't see that coming. I thought, what the fuck was that? It sat with me as this week's progressed. The other one I'm going to throw out there is the last image I had of Philip Rivers, and that is Oh, that's a good point. He's a turnover machine. Interception after interception. So I think for that reason— Plus, I'm hoping that this snow continues. If not continues, at least I'm hoping it's fucking freezing cold. Philip Rivers does not want to play in the freezing cold in this temperatures that it, at this point in his career. I'm actually on Denver here. Um, I don't have any confidence at all. I don't feel strongly about this game, but I'm taking Denver. I, too, am on Denver right now. That that doesn't mean that I might flip-flop uh, as we get closer to the weekend's games. My model actually has this as one the one of the biggest discrepancies that I'm seeing for this week. So Denver, it has it as basically a coin flip. Denver losing by less than a point here, mm. and given that it's a two and a half spread. Now the big question mark for me is that uh, Vic Fangio has made some comments around Drew Locke possibly coming back and actually being either getting some playing time or being a starter. Now my understanding is that he can come off IR. I think the day of this game, December first. So there's a possibility that he might get thrown in here and actually play, which if he does, then I'm absolutely taking the chargers. I don't actually see that happening. I think Allen will continue to play and start. So to me, you're going to see a, a big run game coming from Philip Lindsay. As of right now, I'm on the Broncos. I don't love it. Uh, you are starting to sway me, but that's where I'd landed so far. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, this where I feel like a lot of people are going to be betting the chargers because of that weather uh, thing out there. Everybody and their mother is going to be talking about it over the Thanksgiving table. Did you see all the snow in Colorado? <laughs> did you see all the snow? And then on Sunday, betters are going to line up and be like, Oh, it's snowy in Colorado. Guess what? Me and the model know this as being living out in Colorado. The snow will melt quickly. All it needs is one sunny day in Colorado and that snow will freaking come down. I don't think that will be a factor on Sunday unless it as actually snowing during the game. And even if that happens, it's not like Phil Rivers in his 16 year career has ever played in a snowy football game. I just don't see the weather being much of an impact at all. Um, yeah, as I already laid out, the Broncos are broken. Um, I don't know. It's not my, my favorite play, but I, I just know this team well, and I'm, I'm feeling a heater right now. I'm 4-0 in games they've played over the last month with the spread. So it's like I kind of know when they're going to win or when they're going to exceed expectation and when they're not and when they're going to be flat. And I just see this as another flat spot. I had it last week with the Bills, and I just uh, this team, I just don't see the motivation there anymore. And, you know, Allen's not the answer, and there's just so many issues. I'm going to fade them hard. All right, so for, for my next pick – I have a theme for the remaining two picks that I've got. And the theme is what am I missing here? Okay. I am picking the New York jets minus three and a half 
against the Cincinnati Bengals. What That's am my best I bet. missing? Right? Yep. I just don't see it. The Jets are playing fantastic. Their defense is showing up. Sam Darnold's showing up that he looks like he can actually be a franchise quarterback again. He's no longer seeing ghosts. We've got Andy Dalton, the Red Rocket, coming back in. So I, I'm just this. I'm looking at this spread like there's something way off with this number here, and I have to take the Jets. Full agreement for me. I, I love that pick too. I have this uh, as a four point win from the from the Jets. Um, so I am fully there with you. I have no hesitations that I'm going to the Jets and staying away from the Bengals. I mean, it's unbelievable. I just I, I don't see this. Is, it's one of those games where don't out don't outthink yourself. Just pick what you're seeing on the board, and that's a Jets win and a cover. I said it earlier. The I think two weeks ago when the Jets were two and seven. This is a team Vegas expectations with seven wins. They're going to get close to that number, if not hit it exactly. I, I've never been more confident in something in my life. And that's because I'm confident Vegas knows what it's doing. And so when this team was down and out, it was all perceived because of Luke Falk and the third string quarterback situation that hit this team after the mono, the mono ordeal that started their season. This Jets team has got had value on it the last three weeks. They've been a better's delight, and they really showed up big on Sunday over the Raiders. They were a key to my son early Sunday success there where I only lost one game early on. I love the jets. Uh, my first run through of the picks, I had them as my key pick. I did have one other bonus bet, uh, for the pod, but that was, that was the key pick that, uh, initially going through this. I had the jets for the reasons you just said, just you look at it, don't overthink it three and a half. This is the league's worst team. They stink. So that leaves the model with your non key pick here. Your second one. So I'm for my non-key pick. I'm sticking with the Thanksgiving pick that I had put out earlier. I'm making it my combined Thanksgiving and non-key. I'm taking Chicago minus two and a half over Detroit. That's one that I really like, and uh, I'm going to be eating a shit ton of turkey and watching my two key picks and non-key pick come through on the same day. Wow, I love it. That's fantastic. We talked about Chicago, so. We almost you just got to hope that you get the good Trubisky here and you got to hope that you get whatever the hell Detroit's been doing recently. And that's that. I I do want to add. So if, if I had to pick a bonus one that I haven't talked about so far, um, it would be the one that you guys alluded to as the best game of the weekend of the Baltimore Ravens hosting the San Francisco 49ers. This is one that my model has as the biggest discrepancy that we're seeing for the in terms of the spread and what it expects all week. So right now it has this as a Baltimore Ravens win by about two or three points. Currently the spread I'm seeing is at minus six. So if I had to pick just simply based on my model, I would be taking the San Francisco 49ers plus six in this game. And if it certainly gets up to plus seven, I'm absolutely going to be jumping all over that. So who are your three games then you got Chicago, you got new Orleans and you got a third one. Are you taking the Niners? Um, if I had to, I'll take the Niners plus six in okay. our pool. Yep. All right. That leaves me with my key pick and brought to you by subway <laughs> brought to you by subway. Key pick. Cazalet is about to speak. And if any other sharps are out there, this line might move because of this pick. I'm just floating that out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got already, I've already told you my first theme, which is what am I missing here? Okay. Uh, let me see if you guys can pick up on my third theme. I am taking the Green Bay Packers to absolutely throttle my New York football giants. 
Now, let me just tell you a few things here. I already went through why Pat Shermer sucks as a head coach. Green Bay just got the doors blown off themselves. Okay. They embarrassed themselves on national TV. Well, guess what? If you've ever seen or heard of a get right defense, the New York football giants are the biggest get right defense going in the game right now. Somehow this spread is six and a half. I have no idea how that's six and a half. They were just six and a half at the bears. And are you telling me the, the green Bay Packers are not all that better than the bears? I think you're nuts. Now the giants are probably getting a couple of, you know, benefit of the doubt points for being at home here. If this is on a neutral neutral field, that spread is 10 and a half. So I don't know why that game is six and a half. This is going to be a two, maybe three point blowout win for the Packers. And on that note, can you guess my second theme of my picks? I got nothing. New York state football, baby bills. I'm picking against the giants and I'm picking with the jets. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I thought you were riding the jets there for a second. Yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. You got all the New York teams in. New York football, baby. Yeah, I just I can't see the Giants even coming remotely close in this game. They're at the point now where they're better off just getting fucking blown out. That way they can clean house. They can get a number two draft pick and finally start adding some talent to this fucking brutal roster. This is the uh, Devonte Adams guy in your fantasy football yep. league ruins your bid to be a playoff team because Devonte Adams has now been out for a while this year. So the guy who drafted him is more than likely not a real contender in your league, and you probably are, and you're probably going against him. And Devonte Adams is about to play, put up 40 points against that pathetic Giants defense, and you're going to be pulling your hair out because your your friend who has Devonte Adams is actually a sleeping giant in fantasy football because. That guy is the real deal, and he's about to just go off on the Giants. Yeah, and guess what? I do have Devontae Adams. I'm in contention. I think I'm in second place right now. I'm going to knock somebody out of the playoff contention with Devontae Adams. I mean, you've got Devontae, and you've got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Best bet, Devontae Adams, everything. Over yards, over catches, touchdown. Get it all on your tickets this week. That's my advice to the betters out there. Yeah, I just don't see it happening, so – that's my pick, man, and I feel very confident in all three of those. So Subway, Quip, whoever the hell wants to come and sponsor this, Allstate, Zip Recruiter, pay attention. If Bovada wants a little of this action, shift your line. But that is key pick Kazlik coming in with a lock of the century. <laughs> oh, lock of the century? Lock of the century. How am I wrong? You're on a heater, so you can't disagree, right? <laughs> That's it. Well, that about does it for episode 58. We got our Thanksgiving episode in the books. Gentlemen, it's been fun. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Let's go. Let's let's get some picks correct. Let's win some money. And uh, we will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.